Hosting for two blokes talking tech. Proudly provided by Web Central. Now, it's time for two blokes talking tech. There is a lot going on in technology, as always. About technology. Fantastic to get these speeds on a mobile phone, isn't it? The speeds on this thing are amazing. Two blokes talking tech. Very nice, snappy performance. It's a good phone. Yeah, there's a few pros and cons with this. With Trevor Long from yourtechlife.com. Now, my advice to people who like this kind of service is... And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. I really like this new service. Gives you that flexibility to hear your music anywhere. Two blokes talking tech. Stephen and Trevor always providing the best advice. Lots to talk about on Two Blokes Talking Tech. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. That's right, Two Blokes Talking Tech, the latest news and information on technology from the week that was and the week ahead as we see it. Uh, two blokes are Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Um, I'm on Twitter at Trevor Long. Stephen is on Twitter at Stephen Fennick with a PH. This is a uh, global edition. Uh, often we're together in my studio. Sometimes we're together in Stephen's studio. Sometimes we're via FaceTime or Skype. Sometimes we're at a live event. But every now and then we're uh, we're on other sides of the world, and that sometimes makes it exciting because obviously I need to I need to cross to Stephen and see if he's there. So I'll just I'll just see if he's there now. Um, I will make there he is. Oh, Steve. Oh. In old New York. Oh. What about the voice? I'll make it. Stephen. How are you going, mate? How are you going? It's beautiful. I'm going well. What thank about you, your Sarah. tunes, mate? Going what about well, your thank tunes? you. Sounding great, mate. Those vocal cords are working beautifully. You are in New York. Um, that is uh, that is our first story. So let's just get cracking on Two Blokes Talking Tech. And we do it all thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au. We'll talk about them shortly. But Stephen is in uh, New York with Samsung. He's uh, travelling to the USA as a guest of Samsung. And uh, look, lots of um, lots of imagery around this event based on the invite. It's very much... Samsung have adopted a very Apple approach to, to things now, having a nice hints and tips in the in the invitation. We're seeing, you know, curved edges to a device that's kind of sitting under a blanket, if you like, in an invite. Um, there's no doubt this is a... Big screen device, this is the time of year where normally they would be perhaps at IFA launching uh, the Galaxy Note range. So from my point of view, not being on the plane, not um, not trying to break any uh, information that Stephen might already have about the device or the event, I don't think it's any doubt we're talking about the next Galaxy. The question is, what can they do that's different about the Galaxy? The question is, what can they do to you know make the Galaxy stand head-to-head with the iPhone 6 Plus? And Stephen, from your point of view, without having to talk about the device, because the event is still some time away, what what is the significance of this event, this device for Samsung, you think? Because it's been a good year in terms of a device, but not so great in terms of general vibe about how the, the S6 is going, for example. Yeah, I think uh, the timing of this event is something you really need to note. Um, and the, norm, normally, uh, the Galaxy large screen device, let's let's assume it's going to be the Note, is normally released a bit later, late August, September, at IFA, which Berlin, which we are both attending in, the, in a few weeks. The fact that it's a little bit earlier uh, and held in the US here, I think really indicates that Whatever the device is, they want to get it out ahead of the new iPhones, mm. uh, the iPhone 6S and 6S Plus, which we'll discuss in a moment, the rumours around them. 
we're, we're assuming a mid to late September launch there. So the fact that, that Samsung, I think, has has fast-tracked this, brought it forward, I think that speaks volumes as well. I think we are going to see a big-screen device. There's a lot of rumours floating about this, and I, I haven't seen anything yet. Uh, we, we will be having a, an embargoed session with the product, but that's, that's still a day away. But the, the rumours that are circulating is that it's the, uh, a large-screen device and the emphasis is on power, just how powerful the product is, how this is not just a phone. It's, it's got significant computing power. It's also got uh, input through uh, an S Pen, uh, some, some kind of on-screen input, so writing on the screen directly. There's also rumours there can be a second phone. There's two devices I'm hearing as well. The, these are the rumours that have been circulating even before I stepped on the plane to come over here with Samsung, that there may even be not just one device, a hero product, but also a secondary device as well. Look, it's interesting, and, and you're right about the, um, the the timing, very much so. And I think it's interesting because IFA was always this place where Sony and Samsung and LG even would talk about things, but that's kind of been taken away from that event, which is very interesting on it, in it of itself. But in terms of timing, let's say we, um, and we'll talk about iPhone in a minute, but let's say iPhone is announced in, in early September, first or second week, um, for a late September, early October availability, Samsung clearly should and, and probably will announce a device that will be available before that, so they steal a bit of that thunder, but I don't know whether that's actually a strategically good move. I don't know whether they actually have the, the status, the clout to detract from iPhone. I think they potentially should separate themselves by many months, not bring themselves just a few weeks before. I'm not sure yet. Well, I think the the scenario would be uh, with, if Samsung waited till after uh, the new iPhone, their normal product cycle with the Galaxy S range is normally early in the next year. So we're talking March, April. That's a bit of a gap. I think Samsung, they normally do this anyway, two cycles of, of device release. They have the Galaxy S whatever early in the year, the Note whatever later in the year, uh, and I think that they do seeing, and this isn't just rumor, this is actually fact about how many devices uh, Samsung have sold, the S6 and the S6 Edge. It's common knowledge that it's way below expectations. I think the recent uh, data from Juniper Research said that just in a single quarter, Apple sold 47.5 million iPhones and iPhone 6, uh, and iPhone 6 Pluses. Whereas Samsung, they predicted for the entire year, we're going to sell 70 million devices. Mm. So you do the math there. So Apple are outselling them significantly. That's why I think this need this is a this is a hail mary event for them. They need this pass to, to stick. They need this to be a popular device, and they need it to to happen right away. Now, the only thing I would say in in closing about the Samsung Apple comparison is. Apple do the six and the six plus at the same event. I, if I was Samsung, I would I would probably brush Mobile World Congress and Efra, and I would find a time of year where you launch both the the S six and the S six Note, for example. You know, give it a, give it a new name, but call it the big one. And I I just think there's some benefit to having a big kickoff to to a part of the year with one one set of devices as opposed to trying to separate them out. But the thing is, the Note is a very different device. It's a very separate device, and I get that. Um, you know, the, the amazing thing for me is the Note 4, last, the last Note, was without question at the time the best mobile device Samsung had built. The quality was there, the materials was there, 
Um, in fact, I would have been happy if the S6 carried the, the, the design cues from the Note 4. I thought it was excellent. So I, I think it will be disappointing if the, if the um, Note, Galaxy Note 5 carries the design cues of the, of the Edge, for example, the, the, the S6 Edge. So I, I'm kind of uh, a bit in two minds about the success of this product. Yeah. Well, that, that's another thing you've got to consider as well. That's one thing uh, in the rumour mill also. Is this going to have curved edges? Are they going to stick with that? Are they going to take it away? What's the other device going to do? What are the capabilities? Just how powerful is this compu- this this little device going to be? Or not little, it's a larger mm. device. Just, just how much power does it going to have under the hood? Yep. Look, it's an interesting time. Stephen uh, is there, so you can follow everything that happens uh, via his Twitter handle, at Stephen Fennick and at techguide.com.au. Uh, or techguide.au, isn't it, Stephen, the uh, the Twitter handle? Yep. And uh, and obviously yep. on the website, techguide.com.au. We'll bring you uh, a full wrap of, uh, of the happenings uh, next week on Two Blokes Talking Tech, episode 222. Thanks to the good people at Netgear. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Optus are always coming up with new features, uh, new things for the customers. The most recent example of that is the new Optus uh, Wi-Fi. So the Wi-Fi calling, uh, allowing customers to make and receive calls using the new Wi-Fi Talk app. Now, you think about it whether when sometimes you don't have a strong cellular signal, uh, but you do have access to Wi-Fi. It does allow customers now, Optus customers, to not only make calls but also receive calls, text messages, call other numbers, mobile numbers, landlines, overseas numbers, simply with a Wi-Fi connection. And it isn't. It, it also it all goes through your Optus number as well. So it, it uh, whether you're making the call or whether someone else, not knowing where you are calls your Optus number, you can actually receive that call uh, on a strong Wi-Fi connection as well. But it's all controlled through an app, right? So the app needs to be running. Um, I, I really need to play with this because it, it boggles my mind to understand how, let's say I'm in a one-bar signal area, am I still going to receive the call via cellular and will it switch over to Wi-Fi? Or Do you know what I mean? It's a very interesting kind of concept of how do you determine the primary impact of the, of the call? Well, I think what happens if you've got Wi-Fi, if you've got broadband connection or Wi-Fi connection of more than 100 uh, kilobits per second, uh, that is strong enough for you to take the call. Obviously, the stronger that is, the better the quality of the call. Yeah, you're right. It does go through an app. There is an app for iOS and also an app for Android. But it is – I've had some interesting reaction to this story on my Facebook page, on the Tech Guide Facebook page. There are some some customers saying that, well, why would Optus need to offer this to customers if they they stand by their network? (laughs) Uh, Some some people will be a little bit snarky about it. Uh, I'm waiting for the Telstra customers to say, we we don't need Wi-Fi calling because our network is good everywhere. Mm. So – but I think, look, good on Optus for giving people the option. And you've got to remember, these aren't free calls, by the way. So if you're using (laughs) Wi-Fi Talk – you do pay for them. So it comes, you pay the same rate as they are offered on your plan. Uh, they, they're taking advantage of all the inclusions of your plan, whether it's prepaid, postpaid, uh, and then it gets put onto your bill uh, later on. So I think uh, it gives people an option whether they they may have limited cellular coverage. I've had a, a couple of readers saying that, yeah, I do live in, a, in an area where Optus, Optus, Optus coverage is quite sketchy and they're going to be trying it out. So uh, in any way you can get customers, help customers to make and receive a call, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, look, and I think the other carriers will probably have to follow suit. You know, you think about the number of times we get calls on the radio from people that say, oh, 
you know, it's it's perfect everywhere except my bloody house. And they don't really want to change carriers just because of their house. But, you know, it's the place you are most. But it's also the place where you've absolutely guaranteed got a strong Wi-Fi signal. So why not default to that when you're in that location, I guess, is the concept. Uh, and I guess it'll be interesting to see how well the take-up of this goes. I think telcos struggle to push this stuff through. I think it's a, it's a really difficult message to sell. So, yeah, I think it's... Um, I think it's an interesting one, Stephen. I don't know. I'm, I'm yet to be sold on it, but maybe uh, maybe time will tell and we'll get a bit of feedback on it. Absolutely, yeah. Well, good to see Op- Optus are thinking of their customers. I think that's important. The customers are being looked after in that way. There's another option for them. I think that, 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 can, only be, that can only be helpful. Absolutely. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. Well, the bane of Tim Cook's life is at it again. Melbourne's own Sonny Dixon um, is still receiving parts from iPhone factories. Uh, and it's interesting, he, he tweeted uh, a couple of days ago that there was a, uh, uh, an email sent to employees or there'd been some sort of interaction between the government and the, and the factories to suggest that there, there could be jail time for people posting or sending uh, parts out of, the, out of the factories. But that aside... Uh, the bloke has clearly, and I, look, I've said uh, in, in my article about this. You know, you can you can mock rumours about iPhones, but frankly, this is a clear leak. Sonny Dixon is the most reliable leak you can get in terms of Apple products. So what he's obtained here is the back metal casing of an iPhone 6S, if we're to assume that's the name of it. Now, if you look at your iPhone, anyone that's got one, just imagine that whole metal back, but without the Apple logo in it, without all the parts in it, it's just an empty shell. And he has sent this to the very person who originally on YouTube bent the iPhone 6 Plus. And I think it was a genius move because that the, the publicity around the bend gate becomes the, the story because this guy has gone to great length scientifically in terms of digital scales, digital measurement, to determine that the iPhone 6S, according to the case, will actually be very, very slightly bigger on each, each side, mainly because the sides will be actually reinforced. There are thicker metal around the side, which, in theory, will make it much harder to bend. And as I keep saying... Anything will bend if you try. So essentially they're making it just that little bit harder to bend, it appears, from this leak. Yeah, well, the rumours are starting to pour out now that we're getting close to this launch. Um, uh, uh, the the casing, yeah, is interesting one with uh, the Apple reinforcing that. Well, that, that's great news, but I think what's going to add to the thickness of the product is the the, the, the rumoured force-touch screen yeah. that's going to go on board. Anyone who owns a, an Apple Watch, anyone who owns the latest MacBook Pro uh, uh, will know the force-touch trackpad, force-touch screen on the, on the Apple Watch. This is going to offer a whole new interface for, uh, for users and offer shortcuts and various things to do. So I'm thinking that a couple of point, point 0.2 or 3 of a millimetre is going to be added through that, or another maybe point 0.1 of a millimetre through this new reinforced uh, casing. So it's uh, all adding up to the pretty exciting product. And look, uh, in our, I think in our mind we're agreed it will be an iPhone 6S, 6S Plus will probably be a Plus S, I don't know, but 6S Plus. Um, there won't be a 7. The 7 will be next year. This will be an incremental change. I um, On the Force Touch front, before I talk about I think there's three key things about the new iPhone, which will be uh, which will be the, the talking points at the time, and they are the, the more uh, rigid design, which they won't talk about on the stage. They'll, they'll, they'll ignore that, but it'll be the po- talking point for us. It'll be the Force Touch, which will add a whole new dimension to, to um, you know different um, gestures on the screen. And I think... 
uh, and some of the rumours I'm seeing, and I, I believe this is a, a genius move if it, if it does come about, is camera. I think they will once again smash the camera out of the ballpark. Um, you would have to uh, kind of argue or agree right now that the iPhone 6 um, has probably the t- one of the top three cameras, but most likely third in the top three behind the, the Galaxy S6 and the LG G4. But in, in my mind, it's still the best overall camera just with regards to the way the software works. So all they've got to do is improve the sensor again, improve the lens again, improve the basics of it again. Uh, and, you know, low light probably is their, their big area to work on. And they can absolutely dominate the smartphone camera market. Uh, absolutely spot on. You, you take a look around, actually, there's a whole campaign around how good Apple's camera, Apple's iPhone camera is. It's the, the shot on iPhone 6 campaign. If you're driving out of the airport, if you're anywhere in the city, Apple's billboards are now not, not, not a picture of the product, but a picture taken by an iPhone 6 user. That's the billboard. So that, that in itself speaks volumes, and I totally agree. I think the camera is, is going to go even better and really uh, put it uh, amongst the, the top, uh, and I do agree with your selections of the other top cameras in the market. Yeah, and so, so look, if you look at that, then the rumours are at this point in time, a September 9 American uh, announcement, September 10 our time, um, which kind of does fit with, with broadly the, the, the previous years. You would assume a late September, early October availability. Uh, and, you know, I think those, those two things, they won't talk about the Bengate style stuff, but if they talk about force touch and camera, um, as well as it being faster, it'll have a better processor, of, of course. Force touch is really interesting. If we just quickly talk about that for, for a little bit longer, you know, the best force touch I've seen is, is on the MacBook. I don't think the Apple Watch force touch is anywhere near as good as on the MacBook because the MacBook literally tricks your mind into thinking you're pushing down on something. On the Apple Watch, I like the fact that, for example, you're viewing notifications, you push and hold, and you can clear them all. Or you're in um, messages and you can push and hold, and you compose a new message. So imagine, and I had this sent to me, I think, by, by a listener. Imagine you, you swipe up from the bottom of your iPhone and the, uh, the, the Wi-Fi icon, for example, instead of just turning it on, if you push and hold the Wi-Fi icon, it might open the Wi-Fi settings on your phone. And those are simple little things that could make it really, really useful on the iPhone. Absolutely, and yeah. no, I do have the new MacBook Pro with the Force Touch, and it does it does add that extra option rather than just click and double click. There is this third option now, these possibilities, and to have that on a phone where you, you think about it, uh, the iPhone does have a few uh, few button clicks to get things done in some mm. cases, just to make a phone call, three or four button clicks. Anything can reduce that to get you to what you want to do faster. That can only be uh, a great, uh, great new feature for customers. And that's the plan. Um, I've uh, put up some of those photos from the from the leak at eftm.com today. You follow us both on Twitter uh, at Trevor Long and at Stephen Fennick for all the latest on uh, Apple uh, announcements as they come out. But um, that'll be that'll be thick and fast after uh, after IFA in a, in a couple of weeks in Berlin. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen. Fennick. And we do it all thanks to the good people at Netgear. And if you're in the market for a new uh, modem router now's the time to buy and uh, look at a netgear nighthawk uh, ac 1900 vdsl slash adsl wi-fi modem router so this replaces both your modem and your router offers you uh, top adsl speeds as well as um, fantastic wi-fi up to 1.9 gig uh, great range because of the um, high-powered amplifiers um, external antennas plus beam forming plus to improve the range and reliability uh, it's got a built-in dsl modem 
Um, it's future-proof, uh, two high-speed US three, USB 3 ports. And right now, if you buy one, um, you can actually uh, uh, submit uh, an entry on the Netgear website for your chance to win a trip to Hollywood. Uh, Fast and the Furious 7 um, own it on digital from August 13. They're, uh, they're giving away a, a, a trip and a prize there. So if you buy one now and uh, then go to the Netgear website to redeem, your, um, you've got a chance to win a trip to Hollywood. That's just a sidebar reason to consider the um, the Nighthawk range of routers and the modem router from Nighthawk from Netgear um, is a fantastic product. Uh, well worth your consideration if you're looking for networking in your small business or home. Uh, the place to go is netgear.com.au. Now, Stephen, um, a couple of months ago, I reviewed the Uniden um, kind of portable battery kit that would jumpstart your car and your and your mobile phone. This was about a hundred and ninety nine dollar product. Laser, the the little uh, little battler um, tech company, um, has released a similar product for one hundred and twenty nine dollars. Great little product, a, um, a twelve thousand milliamp hour power bank um, uh, that also comes with jumper cables for your car, so you can get your car up and running if you've got a flat battery. Um, plus, if you're out and about and uh, the um, you need to quickly charge your uh, mobile phone, then hello, you've got yourself a massive power bank. It's a great little product. This one's actually super portable. It's probably glove box size for many cars, but certainly uh, in the back uh, back boot or under the front seat would be an easy place to keep one of these. And you know what? It just screams Father's Day. You're right. Yeah, this is what a handy product. Uh, I don't know uh, how often your battery's been flat. Mine hasn't been too often, but uh, th- this this is a real handy product if you are living in, say, a remote area. Uh, you know, you might be a female. You don't want to be sort of a lot uh, broken down waiting for other people to help you. Uh, this is something really offers real peace of mind. And the good the good thing about this is not only holds a massive amount of power, twelve thousand milliamp hours. So that's your mobiles, your smartphones, your e-readers, whatever you want. It's also got enough of a jolt to get your car battery working as well. It's very simple to use too. Uh, it comes with the car jumper cables. Normally, if you, you had a flat battery, you ring in roadside assistance or asking another driver to give you a jump start. Not anymore. This little device allows you to get up and running on your own. There's also a torch on the end with a strobe function. So if you're truly stranded, you can get people's attention. It's also a torch if, you are, if you're fumbling about in the dark. It does come with a multi-tip USB cable so that it's got a tip there to, to connect your uh, an iPhone, uh, an, an Android device, uh, and even the older iPhones, uh, so you're not going to be left short of a charge there. And it can hold a charge for up to six months. The, the rechargeable lithium-ion battery means that if you do have you have charged it fully today, uh, in six months' time, it's still going to have that charge just in case you do need to put you know, to bring your car battery back to life. And remember, too, this isn't just about you. This is about other people you know the number of times you're at someone else's house and their car is uh and the battery's gone you got to find the jumper leads the great thing about this is and this is genuinely so cool you can just walk up pop the bonnet put the thing on and start their car you don't have to move your car up close run the jumper leads all that kind of, it's fantastic very easy stuff uh and as we say only 129.95 you can uh, see photos and read steven's uh steven's article at techguide.com.au two blokes talking tech you're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Well, to continue the car theme, we were talking about the laser car battery, the, the battery reviver. 
Uh, well, I, I had the chance to attend another auto event, uh, sounding a little bit more like EFTM, uh, is our tech guide <laughs> site, the, uh, the Volvo XC90. Now, we were invited a while ago, and for the record, Trevor was invited, but he, he was too busy to attend this day down in Canberra. Uh, the Volvo XC90. Now, Volvo is a brand that's, that's been around since 1927. They're the company that, that's become uh, pr- pretty much uh, uh, synonymous with safety, road safety, and this new vehicle really brings that to the fore with not only uh, engineering uh, ability but also through technology as well. Uh, that's the reason that I was down there to, to have a look at what this new seven-seater, this is a luxury SUV, starts at about 89 thousand dollars so it, it is a luxury car it's not it's not uh you you're uh, a ford or a, a cheaper holden this is actually luxury through and through the interior is really plush but the technology is what caught my eye there's a, a in the central console there's an ipad size screen a nine inch screen that allows you to control every aspect of the car uh access to your entertainment your navigation and it all blends in as funny as it sounds that big screen is not distracting at all because it's got a black background it's really well designed to blend into the to the console the air vents around it uh, so uh, I think Volvo have recognised the fact that technology is now one of the deciding factors for people buying a car. Those features, that connectivity, its abilities is really one of those pillars now for a car buyer. And they've really done a great job with the XC90. And look, the um, the screen in the middle is um, is put portrait instead of landscape, which uh, which adds to the, the difference in it, let alone anything else. And you're right, it's not distracting at all uh, anywhere compared to a buddy Tesla with a 17-inch screen that just jumps out at you, but even that becomes uh, just second nature to you as you drive. Now, the thing about this vehicle is it's it's from the ground up they've worked on this thing. Uh, Volvo has a commitment to basically no no deaths in a Volvo by something like 2020. They you know they've got a real like not just a, a label of safety. They have a genuine focus on safety. This thing has so much tech in it. It theoretically could be upgraded to be an auto- autonomous car, self-driving car. I mean, it is, uh, it is the bee's knees when it comes to technology in cars. Um, it is a beautiful, bloody-looking thing. Um, and you're right, it is, it's, a, yeah. it's a premium SUV, but those things are selling like hotcakes. And for, I've had, yeah, I've had tweets and messages from people who've, who've put their money down. They're, they're, they're standing by for their delivery because this thing has copped so much attention. It is a, it's an absolute credit to Volvo's designers um, and also a massive credit to their, um, to their back room kind of technology work because... You know, car companies struggle. They um, they struggle to turn around design and innovation because of the lead times on the changes they have to make. You know, cars need to last kind of five and six years in a life cycle, not just five or six years in your driveway, but they don't want to have to build a new car every year like an iPhone. Um, so it is a very interesting and an innovative product, a bunch of photos and uh, Stephen's drive impressions and all of the tech features are listed on Stephen's website, techguide.com.au. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, last night on uh, on Your Tech Life, uh, available now to download at uh, iTunes or Pocket Casts, um, I had the pleasure of speaking to a couple of blokes who uh, run a little company called Squeaker, and they've they've got a Kickstarter campaign uh, up on the internet for Buddy, the dog collar reimagined. Now, these blokes, um, geez, they're, they're fighting hard. They're going for $385,000 um, in their Kickstarter. They've already raised $63,500, which is great. The product 
is a dog collar. Now, they already make um, uh, dog leads that are kind of LED lights and, and colourful so that they can be seen at night. But they thought, let's make a collar that's colourful. You can control it. It's like Philips Hue. You can control the colours and the designs and the flashing colours via your phone. But then they went, it's not enough. So they added in an accelerometer. So it's basically a fitness tracker for your dog. Not enough. They've added in an app that allows you to have GPS tracking so that you can actually set a geofence so that your dog walks outside or runs away outside that geofence. You get an alert and you know where the dog is. It's got a calorie count on it. It could even theoretically interact with other devices in the house. So if they were to release a smart doggy door, the doggy door could be locked unless your dog with this collar walks up to it and it's unlocked. So very cool idea, Stephen. Ziggy and Zaggy. Oh, hello. I am I am writing this story for Tech Guide. I think oh, that's the least I can do for Ziggy and Logan, my uh, my popular Dalmatians. Uh, I, I'm just imagining that uh, the, the, this is a sort of product that pet lovers spend money on their dogs, and this is be one of those products that they do. Uh, and and speaking from our own experience. We, we always, we're always spending a bit of cash on the dogs to make them a bit more comfortable, to, to treat them to different things. Well, this is a great example of something that would, would give you not only uh, the, the, the fitness tracking and those other features, but just the GPS locator alone and those other smart features would really give dog owners peace of mind. Uh, that's, that's the worst case scenario is if you can't find your dog. So if this, if this is a type of product, that can relieve that, uh, that, that give that person that peace of mind, the dog owner that peace of mind, I think they'd be happily shelling out for this product. Uh, uh, the, the, has the price been announced yet, Trevor, or is so it still to come? The, the retail price, uh, if it was to come to market in the long term, would be about 500 for the fully-fledged one. There'll be different options, you know, but for the fully-fledged with everything one, about 500 yep. The Kickstarter price to get that product, at the moment, there was earlier prices, but they've been sold. There's a couple of thousand available at $245. So $245 to get the Bluetooth, the GPS, the Wi-Fi base station, everything, all that kind of stuff um, is a pretty darn good price when it'll, it'll yeah. recommend a retail be $450 US. So now, this That's is the thing. You've got, to, yeah. you've, got to, you've got to put your money where your mouth is now. Um, if you were to go now to Kickstarter, search for Buddy, or go to EFTM or Tech Guide when you've got the article up and follow the links, um, if you were to put $245 down now, they don't take your money until the project is funded so if enough people say yes they take everyone's money and then you have to wait a year for your device to be shipped they reckon they'll do it quicker than a year they reckon this is the the most professional and um, and well-planned kickstarter on kickstarter um look I, I i think they're amazing blokes they're trying really hard i just worry that three hundred eighty-five thousand dollars is a stretch with 20 days to go they need to get U.S. massive attention in the U.S. to really kick that goal. Yeah, well, now that we're talking about it on Two Blokes Talking Tech and EFTM, it's going to, and later on on Tech Guide, well, let's hope we can help them to reach that goal. I think uh, there's just the fact that it lights up as well. We should we should include that. It lights up in nice colours. Uh, it's kind of like a, a bike light for your dog. If your dog's ever in the dark, you can see exactly where they are. If they're out on a walk or on, a, on a dark street, uh, another another safety measure there as well. So uh, they've thought of everything, the boys. So uh, I, I wish them luck and I can just see these, although I've got two dogs, I'm going to buy two of these things. So I can just imagine them on, uh, on Ziggy and Logan. We'll give them a proper road test. Exactly. Two blokes talking tech. You can read about the buddy uh, at eftm.com.au.
Now, Frankie Sinatra over there, mate. Uh, you can do your minute reviews uh, globally, um, and you're going to kick it off with a pocket keyboard, Stephen. Yes, this is the Zag pocket keyboard. Now, this is a foldable keyboard. Uh, it, uh, when it's unfolded, it's a it's it's an eighty five percent the size of a full keyboard, so it's only fifteen percent smaller. If you can do the math properly, there. When it's folded, it measures twenty two point three five centimeters, five point four centimeters wide, one point four five centimeters thick. So it's like a watch case, is how I describe it in my review. But once it's unfolded, there's a small rail to fit in your smart, your iPhone, your Android phone, even a small tablet. There's a kickstand on the back as well, so you can get it to the angle with which you're comfortable. It connects via Bluetooth uh, and uh, and then allows you, you then have to pair uh, not only the Bluetooth pairing, then you choose whether you're connecting it to an Apple device or an Android device, and then you're away. Uh, it, it, it is really unleashes the power of your phone. You think about how, how much power, processing power is in the phone. If you're doing something like just text entry, it doesn't really take, doesn't really put the device under much pressure. But you think of yourself, and I, and I know speaking from my own experience, whenever I need to type out a long document or a long email or edit a long document, I want to be. I want to have a keyboard. So this gives you the ability to unleash your phone's capabilities and now be able to sit down and write that long, long message, that long email. It is quite comfortable to type. I, I've, I, in my review, you can see my phone is actually sitting on that device, and it, it, the keys, the keys are really comfortable. There's plenty of travel in the keys. That they work really well. It's a good enough size. It's not too small, uh, and uh, doesn't have any dedicated keys for Android or I, iPhone because. It it is an all-round keyboard, so there's no dedicated home button. There's no function key specific to any particular platform, but it is a good all-round device. The Zag Pocket Keyboard, I think if you're a road warrior and you need something like this up your sleeve, and it's just small enough to fit up your sleeve, I should say, the Zag Pocket Keyboard is priced at $99.95. Check it out, techguide.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long. And from uh, Logitech, um, a kind of uh, younger brother or smaller sibling to the MX Master, the MX Anywhere. That's right. I'm actually using this mouse right now, and the reason I like it and, and its big brother is that it can work on any surface. Oh, the, the desk here in my hotel has a, a high, like a very glossy, polished surface. Normal computer, a normal computer mouse would normally be discombobulated by that kind of surface. Not so the MX Anywhere 2 mouse. Now, this is designed to go anywhere with you. For those, if you're like me and you like, rather than using the trackpad on your computer, if I I had the option I like to connect a mouse and use the mouse this is perfect for you it uses the dark field laser tracking which is allows that to be used on any surface including clear glass and these high gloss surfaces that I'm using right now small enough to fit in the palm of your hand it's also got several buttons it's got left and right a scroll wheel a, a button behind the wheel the wheel moves not only as a scroll but you can also use use it to move uh, web pages for example left and right there are also two programmable buttons down on the left-hand side, and it has the same design language as the MX Master, its big brother, uh, and works just as well on the go. It's, it's sculpted, so it's really comfortable to hold it. What's also impressive is the little Bluetooth receiver that fits into your computer, into your laptop, is so small, you can hardly see it. Uh, it slips, slips into, your, into your USB port on your computer, and, and, and it's only, I think, about four millimetres uh, 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 sticks 
out on the side. There's a picture of, of it uh, connected on my MacBook Pro. It is tiny, and I leave that plugged into my laptop all the time, so all I need to do is actually just turn on the mouse when uh, when I need it. Power-wise, there's a rechargeable battery on this, like the MX Master, so uh, you can uh, charge it through the micro-USB port on the front, and this battery, because it's a similar battery as, uh, as the MX Master, will last for up to four months between charges. Now, if you've picked up the mouse and there is no charge at all, the great feature is that you can connect the mouse to you, to any USB charger or, or USB port on your computer and charge it for one minute and that is enough to give you an hour of usage. So really well done from Logitech. The MX Anywhere 2 mouse price at $129.95. As always, find it at techguide.com.au. Rightio, Jet Set Air, it's uh, early morning in New York. You've got meetings to attend and uh, the streets to stroll, I'm sure. Um, mate, uh, big <laughs> events coming up. Uh, we'll look forward to following uh, all that on Twitter and Tech Guide. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you when you're back next week, mate. No worries, I will. I'll be representing the blokes over here. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye on Tech Guide and on my Twitter feed. I'm going to be uh, having a look at this device. I'm also uh, – the, the event is not actually till Friday morning, uh, Australia, Sydney time. So keep an eye out. It's going to be a big one. They're, they're, it's being held at the Lincoln Centre. So uh, at Samsung, whenever they have an event, as you know, they don't do anything by halves. It's going to be quite a big deal, and I'm looking forward to it, and you will be talking about it next week. On Two Blokes Talking Tech, thanks to the good people at Netgear. We shall talk to you on episode 222. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick.